as my favorite band, The Clash, once famously said, the future is unwritten and it's we're the ones that are writing it. You know, so there's no one on the sidelines right now. <laughs> you can't be passive right now. If you are, then you're siding with oppression and injustice. would like to use this time to share a list of upcoming primary elections for various national, state, and local offices. On June 23rd, Kentucky, New York, Virginia. On June 30th, Colorado, Oklahoma, Utah. On July 7th, Delaware and New Jersey. On July 11th, Louisiana. And on the 14th of July, Maine and Texas. Allbirds encourages you to use resources such as vote.org and When We All Vote to confirm your registration details polling place, absentee status, and other important information. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Chris Long, and you are listening to the Greenlight Pod. I got a great guest today, man. The good guests are rolling in, dude. Thanks to you guys. You guys keep spreading the word. Keep subscribing. Keep listening. Uh, I appreciate y'all. Tom Morello is is the guest today. If you know Rage Against the Machine, you know Tom. If you know Audio Slave, you know Tom. And if you have been paying attention to Tom, you know that he's involved in a plethora of musical uh, endeavors across genres, uh, very diverse in his uh, influence and, uh, you know, very diverse uh, in, in the group that influenced him musically uh, in launching his own career. And also uh, kind of a cheat code when it comes to entertainers, athletes, anybody that you, you, know, you pay attention to online with their political takes because you can't tell him to stick to music. He has a degree in political science from Harvard. I think that means he's qualified. So um, if you paid attention lately, he's gotten into a couple internet dust-ups uh, where somebody walked right into a uh, a posterization, you know, telling him to stick to music. Good luck with that because the guy uh, is extremely bright and well-versed in the topics at hand today. So Tom's going to be a great interview. Uh, 30 minutes is what he gave us, and he's gracious with his time because he is a renaissance man in a world of renaissance men. I mean, not just the music. In the age of COVID, he is homeschooling two kids, and he is a little league coach from what I hear. So not just a badass rock and roll star, but also uh, a a dad, standard dad, and an activist, and all those things. So uh, right now, uh, I'm coming to you live from a hotel room where I'm doing a sleep study to find out if I have sleep apnea. Yeah, this is long overdue, but I'm hooked up to so many electrodes. I'm like a spaceman getting ready to take a nap in one of those pods for like a light year. I'm going to wake up in the morning uh, in a faraway galaxy, and when I get there, they'll tell me if I sleep like a fat guy. I'm not sure. Maybe I do. We'll see. Uh, don't freak out. Green light faithful. Uh, this is a good thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, I feel like a total idiot right now uh, recording an, an open for a pod uh, hooked up to a bunch of wires, and the nurse is going to come back in soon. Uh, and I don't want to be talking to my phone when she does. So let's wrap this open up. Uh, I did talk to Tom earlier today. He was wonderful. You're really going to like the interview. I hope he comes back again. Anyways, guys, sorry for the short pod. Maybe you like that better. So enjoy, and I'll catch you all next week. Take care. Tom, you've had Paul Ryan, 
profess his love for Rage Against the Machine, or <laughs> I guess you could rather say Rage Against Paul Ryan. Uh, sure. Had a dude recently cut you out of his life, life because you were, quote, getting too political. <laughs> what does that say about how closely people listen to the music they profess to like? Yeah, well, well here, here's my take on that. First of all, I've always subscribed to the idea that there is no political or any other litmus test for enjoying any kind of music. For example, a lot of music that I like has absolutely, you know, the music, the metal music that I grew up on had these kind of ridiculous devil worshiping lyrics or misogynist lyrics that I was not down with, but I love the music. So one of the things that Rage Against the Machine and you know, some of my other projects have had in common is that it's, you know, it's great rock and roll that draws people, whether they're drawn to the aggression or the guitar solos or, or whatever, without paying close attention to the lyrics. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the things yeah. that that does do is it opens up people's minds. Like, say you love rock and roll. Well, some songs are about the devil, some songs about groupies, and some songs are about Guatemalan labor unions. So be right. careful. You might learn. You, you might learn something. <laughs> um, and and as millions of fans have through the years, can attest to that. So I have no problem with that. One thing that does irk me is like in the case with like Paul Ryan, where someone is kind of using Rage Against the Machine as like a badge of hipness or something when they themselves embody the polar opposite of the ideals that, that myself and the band espouse. Yes, especially if they're knowingly doing it. I mean, you have, I got the stick to sports crowd. That's what I've dealt with for some time. Uh, oh my gosh, I can imagine. But the phrase, pardon the phrase, stick sure. to music and keep the politics out sure. of music. It's hypocritical on its head anyways, because people are not sticking to their vocations and they've likely voted for Trump or Reagan. You know, or they consume Fox News and correspondence like the great John Voight from the motion picture Anaconda talking to you about climate change or Ted Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you navigate those waters? And has it been more um, has it been more of a, a relevant well, conversation lately? Well, to me, to me, that's perfectly simple. And, and the, the reason why people say stick to sports or stick to music when you express a political opinion is not because they want you to stick to sports or music. It's because they disagree with the opinion that you're expressing. And I've been, through my career, I'm crystal clear, when you pick up a guitar or when you pick up a football, you are not putting down your First Amendment right. Those are ours, no matter what our job is. If you're a carpenter, if you're a plumber, if you're a student, if you're a homeless person, if you're at the top of the charts or if you're at the bottom of the pile, you have a right to express yourself. And so for people to say, you know, the, the reason why they don't like it is because it causes this cognitive dissonance that they, like, they really like your band, but they can't that that you believe in things that are you know anti-racist or anti-imperialist or whatever and that's frankly their problem not mine and the, the, you you bring up the an important phrase right now cognitive dissonance because that i believe is what drives a lot of people crazy uh that claim to not want to get down with anything that's progressive because i think they see the case for progressivism and for, yeah, yeah. for reaching for equality and, and trying to live up to these ideals. And I think they know it deep down and it angers them that you're presenting them with facts and uh, it's counter to the culture that they've been a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, for some of our listeners, like what cognitive dissonance means is like when your brain ho holds two opposite ideas that you know and suspect are true. And it's the way that humans are able to sort of deal with those two contending facts. Now, yeah. I like Rage Against Machine. They're a rock band. Rage Against Machine has political opinions that differ from mine. I'm in a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and, and a lot of the points are good points. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, especially in these times, you know, with the global awakening 
and confrontation of racism and white supremacy and police brutality, it's like it really does question some of the some of the fundamental cornerstone beliefs of our society, which is, you know, the cops are always the good guys. That there, you know, once we had a black president, there's no such thing as racism, racism in our country. And yeah, yet, when over. you're confronted <laughs> with with video after video after video after video, obviously showing that there's considerably much to be done, it causes that same sort of internal friction in a lot of people, which leads to, you know, some of the crazier things that we've seen. The thing we're talking about activism and in, in, in entertainment, and you, you've, I mean, you have, you're like a cheat code because you do have the degree that you have from the school that you have it from and uh you're well versed in what you're talking about not every musician or athlete even the most committed have that background is it is it possible to be even in a time like this an entertain entertainer or an athlete and at least partially opt out of the conversation because i think there's a difference between acknowledgement of a problem which is necessary right now and should be the prerequisite for you continuing to be a public figure um and then on the other end of that coin is, okay, continuing that and parlaying it into an activist role, which is not something you should take lightly. Yeah. So is activism yeah. not for every musician? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, first of all, I'd say you do, you, you really don't have to have a, you know, an honors degree from an Ivy League university in order to be able to make moral judgments about police murdering black people. You know, you don't have right. to read Noam Chomsky to know that that's not right. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but, but it is, I think, you know, there was a really, a, there was a decades long drought in the world of sport, you know, really from the time of sort of Muhammad Ali, you know, until the Black Lives Matter movement, where no one would touch a political, you know, any remotely political issue with a 10 foot pole in music. You know, it's slightly different that there's, yeah. there's I think, I think slightly different goalposts, you know, that you're, that you're shooting at, maybe a little bit wider. Um, but I've always had a great deal of admiration for anyone in any profession who refuses to leave behind their convictions in their vocation. And I think that's one of the most important things about being human is to bring who you are into what you do. And, and whether it's, you know, whether it's just proclaiming human rights or civil rights, or whether it's standing up to a bully, bully, the key to that is not just, oh, I convinced this person who I'm arguing with that I'm right or wrong. When people witness when people witness like someone they admire, like a defensive lineman or a guitar player, whatever, stand, stand up against injustice, it gives them the courage to do that too, perhaps. Because perhaps their peer group, and like I grew up in a 100% lily white, archly conservative town, and, but I had a mom who was Irish Italian, like was, had this ferocity to her and this sort of this global radical perspective that made me feel like, Ideas that I had that were outside of the ideas that my friends had were ones that were equally of value. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're talking about arguing with people, and that's all we seem to do these days. And one thing about Twitter, unfortunately, it's a great forum, and social media can be really, really productive, especially for like myself, who has you know, a podcast selfishly or a foundation yeah. that I'm working on. Um, but you don't see a lot of people winning arguments or people can see no, 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 yeah, online. Yeah. So, so I guess the question is, what's the point of arguing? Can people change? Yeah. Have we passed the point of the, the, the carrot and are we into the stick territory? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's really much upside to comment section debate. You see very, very few minds change and it's more a way to kind of blow off steam. The way that the world changes 
is people organize for change. That's it. And it's not, it's not from the, from the, even though we've seen some very surprisingly positive Supreme court decisions lately, it is not the wisdom of the Supreme court or the, or the wisdom of Congress that makes things better. It is people whose names you will never know. People whose names do not appear in history books who do the tireless grassroots organizing for causes to make the world better, whether it was women's right to vote, whether it was the civil rights movement, or whether it was the eventual fall of the Berlin Wall or the end of apartheid in South Africa. It was people, just like anyone listening to this now, they, the people who have changed the world in the past had no more power, courage, money, intelligence than anybody listening to this right now. They stood up in their place and time for what they thought was just to help make the world a more humane place. How do we incentivize people to join the party and then when people get there, albeit late to the party in 2020, like a bunch of people just realized that racism was real. And while you do yeah. want to hold their feet to the fire and say, like, where the fuck have you been? You also want to say, hey, that's good. You know, like, oh, how do you walk yeah. that line of being welcoming? Yeah. Because what's the point of, of, of arguing and raising awareness if you're not trying to change people's hearts? You're just preaching. Of, to cool. of course. Of course. And I, and I think that, I mean, I think it's got to be 100 percent welcoming. And there's, you know, the town that the, the town. Libertyville, Illinois is the town that I grew up in. And growing up there, you know, when I was 13 years old, one morning there was a noose in my family's garage. You know, I heard a lot of N-word growing up. And about two weeks ago, over a thousand people in that town showed up for a Black Lives Matter rally and march. And some of those, like I've got friends who still live there and their kids who are now like high school age, I was FaceTiming with them. And this moment in history has changed their lives has changed them as people and has made them want to make a difference and to use. And, the, and the, my young friend who's like 18, just graduated from high school. He said, well, what do I do? I said, like, I'm the one that should be asking you. This is your generation's time to step up with your creativity and your courage and to make a difference in your place and time where you are now. And I think, I think that the, you know, the talking about, Hey, the next generation is going to be the generation that probably gets this thing right. Hopefully you know, uh, profits of rage. I mean, I've heard you talk about that's kind of, that's kind of been this uh, entryway into a youthful uh, crowd that maybe rage itself yep. didn't have. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and that's I, that, what I try to do is just what I said earlier. It's like I didn't choose to be a guitar player. Guitar kind of chose me. So I'm stuck. Blessed and cursed. I'm stuck. So it's my job now that I am a guitar player to use my vocation as a divining rod for my conviction. You know, and the good news is that, you know, we get to play in front of crowds of, well, not anymore, but yeah. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully one day again, be yeah. able to play in front of crowds of, a, you know, a certain size with a message. And again, if people want to come and enjoy the music, just the music, that is, I have no problem with that whatsoever. However, be careful. You might learn something. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, you said the word bully earlier. I think that uh, everybody knows who the bully is. Did I hear this right in the sleep now in the fire video? You guys. Yes. You guys weird. had a premonition. Yeah. Are y'all the Simpsons? What weird. the fuck else? Weird. I got to I mean, say, really weird. In, in the, yeah, the Rage Against the Machine made a video for the song Sleep Now on the Fire. We filmed on Wall Street. Uh, Michael Moore was the director of the video. And we handed out these placards to day traders who were just walking by in their lunch break. And Rage is like rocking on the steps there. And one of the, one of the placards said, Trump for President 2000. So there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a Nostradamus, first of all, first of all my apologies, because we may have somehow entered that idea into the universe. But, uh, but yeah, it was a, a Nostradamus-like moment for the band. 
who better needs, or worse. Who needs uh, the Mayan calendar? Just go back and <laughs> I mean, like, I mean we, you guys can tell us exactly when the world ends. With Trump, I mean, he's definitely emboldened the worst of our society. That's obvious. I, you know, people that say, what's happened to America? We're just seeing the black light in the hotel room, if you know what I mean. I think that's right. I you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. So we might have emboldened people to show who they are, and it's going to be easier to sift through the who, <laughs> you know, who is who in the future. I mean, I, this could be, if we come out of this thing clean, it, it might spur the overhaul we've been all wanting. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the, the national, the domestic and global anti-racist uprising that you're seeing, I do not believe would have happened to the degree that it is happening were it not for the Trump administration. Now, what we make of that uprising is still to be determined. As, right. as uh, my favorite band, The Clash, once famously said, the future is unwritten and it's we're the ones that are writing it. You know, so there's no one on the sidelines right now. <laughs> Like yeah. every like whether if you are you're there, you can't be passive, you know, right now. If you are, then you're siding with oppression and injustice. It's time for you know to empty the bench. Speaking of the bench, I have a question for you because I know that you, uh, as a football player, you know, you know, you know, as a white football player, you took a famously sort of took a knee during sort of the Kaepernick knee knee taking right. era. Now, now one of the things that that I've you know I used to play sports in high school and before, and there was always this sort of locker room band of brothers thing. And we're all on each other's side and we got each other's backs and we if there's problems we take care of, you know, like you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. it's that that sort of that sort that sort of culture. So where was that culture when <laughs> some people were kneeling and some weren't? Yeah, so 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 here here's and by the way, um Common misconception, and certainly, um, I was one of Cap's earliest supporters uh, to speak out for sure. Um, Malcolm Jenkins was the teammate of mine who was protesting, and yeah. he was choosing to raise a fist because that was his way yeah. of protesting. So I joined him in his way of protesting. You yeah. know, we yeah. never hit a knee, but to us, yeah. it's the yeah. same state. It's the same fucking statement. You know, absolutely. And absolutely. and and yeah. and you know, there was a deafening silence with. Sure. White players and certainly black players, but black players, you know, this this isn't, you know, black people are not to be burdened with solving racism all alone. Yeah. So I don't yeah. look at my black teammates who would be risking their livelihoods and saying like, hey, you guys need to, it's it's on us. It's on us. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. Speak up. It's on us. To, and I think that, you know, to the point earlier of like as an athlete or an entertainer, some guys don't give a shit. Apathy is one of the most dangerous evils in the world. Yeah. Some yep. guys are racist, which I really don't think there's too many of them in the NFL. I mean, that might be a naive thing to say, but I've yeah. sat in locker rooms, yep. had tough conversations with guys that look like me, that don't look like me for 11 years. Um, yeah. And then the third category, which is why I think 2020 is such a, it's a positive intersection we're at here right now in a lot of ways, because the third subsection of that population of white players in the NFL are guys that aren't comfortable talking. They don't know what to say. It's a minefield. Even if you join in, sometimes you can be, um, you know, admonished for not, of course, for for not saying it correctly. There's things that you can say, like I know how you feel. I mean, that'll get you you boot off stage. You know, there's yeah, some yeah, guys yeah, yeah. That, there, There's some guys that just are a little bit intimidated. But now of the course, point yeah. of guys talking in 2016 is that it's 2020. There is no excuse for opting out of this conversation. And if That's you right. opt out of it. Uh, we are at an intersection where I got to make some judgments yeah, about exactly. you and your character. So, I mean, yeah. 
I think that white athletes need to realize that there's been a number of guys who did not lose their job for kneeling or for, for speaking out. There's nothing to be afraid of at this point. There was something to be afraid of in 2016. I do believe that certainly Cap was blackballed, and there were other guys that are having a hard time getting employment to this day. I believe yeah, yeah. You know, when I was a free agent, um, I had a hard time getting a job after I spoke out about Cap. That's not to say I was blackballed. I got a job eventually. Yeah. But I do yeah. think that once yeah. you're labeled as a guy who's going to go there, they're afraid yep. to, to bring you on the team. So Absolutely. we'll see what happens, Absolutely. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one last question for you. Okay. Like you have a dad who mm-hmm. plays the same you know sport is like how is that is yeah. that like awesome or is that it's, competitive or is it weird or yeah but well, what is that like so it's an interesting family dynamic because my dad who's a pro football hall of famer um and I certainly won't be you know I was a real good player but you know you're not getting that gold jacket so when you get in the league I think the most important thing is that it humbles you it can make you kind of hardened and bitter too because any success you have is going to be not enough for people. And, you know, mm-hmm. if I had this, this career I had, you know, as anybody else, it is a, mm. it's a huge success. But for some people that always say, well, you weren't your dad. But that mm. really hardened me and helped me to deal with criticism, made me mentally tougher. You know, I had a bullseye on my back since I was younger. And the same thing with sure. my, my brother played for the Bears. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A long yeah. time. Just retired. Uh-huh. So... Wow, um, you know, playing in Chicago, you got to have that armor. And uh, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. being Howie Long's kid really helped Kyle. And I know it helped me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom, how about voting real quick before I get into the fun yeah. stuff? Before, sure. You said this. You can't be on the sidelines. We both, I think, share the sentiment that the entire thing needs an overhaul. And I don't trust either party. Um, sure. But sure. this fall, it's a necessity, I believe. Yep. Yep. I mean, I've always thought that like, like a lot of, you know, a, a lot of black people, a lot of people of, of, of different colors have perished trying to guarantee us the right to vote both here and, and around the world. So that's nothing that I take lightly. Um, yeah. However, I used to work, I was the scheduling secretary for a United States Senator for two years, Senator Alan Cranston, Democrat from California. And so I was, I'm in right there. I'm in seat number, you know, one B <laughs> and yeah. got to see how the sausage is made and it's much worse than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And, you know, and so, so while there certainly are important shades of difference, I think at this particularly this environmental, um, uh, global crossroads that we're looking at, you know, some potential extinction events you know, yeah. in the, in the, in the coming decades, if we don't get shit right. So voting is certainly something, something to do. However, that's not, Merely casting your ballot into the void every four years is not enough if you want to create a more just and humane planet for yourself and your children and your grandchildren. That's the key thing. It's like, yes, vote, but don't just vote. Like, like people, like I said earlier, people who changed the world were not, they didn't just go to the ballot box, but they organized and they figured out ways in their time with the technology and the people around them and the creativity and the zeitgeist of the moment to get their hands on the wheel of history. So that's an important additional component and the more important component in my view. Whoever gets in the White House, we're going to be combating. Yeah, you got to do both. You got to do both. I mean, like Black Lives Matter doesn't have a headquarters. So that just says That's it right. all. Yeah. I mean, it's it's people. Yeah. It's 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 organic. It's authentic. Yeah. A, a hard right turn here. Okay. Speaking of people totally missing the point uh, when there's a real message injected into music, 
Give me the most hilariously, mindlessly co-signed song that's actually political or serious in nature. And why is it born in the USA? <laughs> you want my thoughts on born in the USA? Because that one is like, a, that's, a, that's an easy one right there. <laughs> no, I mean, but well, it, that's a, are there others? I know, you know, Bruce, I know you've, you've, you've worked with the East. Sure. I mean, I would say, I would say, I would say one would be killing in the name. Yeah. That, you know, like the, that the refrain, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me you know, is a great one to in the, when you're in the gym. Two days ago before I booked this interview, I'm, I'm working on my dad bod and, you know, I'm defiant <laughs> in the gym. I got you guys blaring. My parents are like, can you turn that down? I got, yeah, we've, uh, how many muscles Rage Against the Machine has built across exactly. the world? I've, 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 I've shuddered to think how much deadlift we've, we've uh -huh. made, made people able to do. But I think that that song would be a good one because it does, you know, at its core, it has that almost, um, you know, while the meaning of the song specifically relates to sort of racism in police departments, but it does have that also, you can twist it into kind of an adolescent cry against mom, mom and dad. However, I would, you know, the, 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 what I think the power of that song is uh, Frederick Douglass, who was the freed slave who became a great orator uh, and ab abolitionist, said this. He said, the day that I was freed from slavery was not the day when I was physically freed from my bond. It was the day when master said yes, and I said no. And that song very much, and that song very much encapsulates, encapsulates that. How about uh, top three Bruce songs and favorite album? Top three. Ooh, okay. Favorite Bruce album is Nebraska. Um, it's the, you know, the, the, the dark folk album. And then I would go top three songs just off the top of my head. I'm going to go with The Promise. I'm going to go with... Uh, Adam raised the cane. Those of us with dad issues, we love that one. Yeah. And lastly, I'm going to go with a little song called "The Ghost of Tom Joke." Hey, listen. And by the way, that's a great song. And I know that being respectful of the boss, I, the "Ghost of Tom Joke" is one of the favorite recordings of you know of Rage that 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 I have out there. So, I mean, right you guys on. absolutely killed that. It was unbelievable. And then I got to see the boss live on Broadway singing goes to tom joad and it's just like for me being younger in 2000 whenever that album came out i'm a kid and the yeah. first way i get introed into that is you guys mm, um, yeah, but also yeah, yeah. with parents who are big bruce fans i got to bring them to broadway actually funny enough tunnel of love is one of my favorite bruce albums i know that sure, some people are like sure. what no 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 here's the thing about bruce Springsteen is that that guy wherever he turns his poetic lens he does great work. Yeah. You know, if he's, if he's writing about dust bowl refugees or if he's writing about like love shaky, a shaky marriage, like yeah. he just, his, his poetic lens is just really fantastic. And so, I mean, he's a, he's a national treasure and we're yeah. glad that lucky to have him. Darkness on the edge of town. Also, that's, that's probably, yeah, my, that's my, my other one. In Nebraska and darkness are yeah. on my, yeah. I, I love Nebraska though, because it's so unexpected from him and like mm. the height of his Bruce Springsteen-ness, you know, and global he popularity. Did he, he did that. He did that because that's the record he wanted to make. And that, you know, that's not the kind of decision that, you know, Michael Jackson was making or whatever, you know, whatever the stars yeah. at the time were. Um, and so it really sort of speaks to his integrity. They call him the boss for a reason there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So real quick, some, some other quick hitters. You're a Sabbath fan. And actually, oh, yeah. Interestingly enough, I just found out they started selling Black Lives Matter t-shirts <laughs> because of you. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, a, a, a friend of mine made that shirt and I put, it was on an Instagram, you know, it's uh, uh, it's in sort of Sabbath lettering says Black Lives Matter. And I 
posted that on Instagram picture of me and my mom, you know, uh, with a Black Lives Matter sign and me wearing the shirt and Geezer Butler's you know, saw Instagram, right. and you know, a week later, Sabbath is up. They're donating all of the proceeds, but uh, that's pretty, pretty damn awesome. cool to grow up on Sabbath, and then you're like, are you uh, kidding? Influencing me? them? So, are you kidding me? Like, hey, so, I, so, no, so the question no is, what's the better album opener, War Pigs or Black Sabbath? Because I can't imagine in 1970, the band Black Sabbath comes out yeah. with an album called Black Sabbath cool. and a song called Black Sabbath. Yeah, well, I think that my favorite of, of those two songs, I mean, War Pigs is like the jam. War Pigs might be the greatest metal song of all time. I'm going to go with that one. However, the, the, you're right in that in 1970, coming out of like the summer of love and all of these kind of like hippie bands and these kind of trippy, this trippy, you know, Bay Area music and Grateful Dead and whatnot. And these four dudes from industrial Birmingham come out with that song, which is Dude. about as Kind of as evil as evil gets. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's awesome. It's awesome. It's like deal deal with this. Oh my god. Okay, light <laughs> lightning round. I'm gonna let you go. Okay, you're a Cubs fan. You meet Steve Bartman. Yes. What do you do? Oh no, I you know what? First of all, he, I'm I'm not a Steve Bartman apologist. I'm a baseball fan. I would know better to touch that ball. But once we once we won the World Series, all is forgotten. All is forgiven. They gave him a ring. So he's good. He's good, and give and, him a hug. You know, yeah, give him a, give him a hug. It's all good. It's all Where were you? If we, had one, if we didn't have, we didn't have a World Series by now. It's a different conversation. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the happiest guy for the Cubs winning the World Series is Steve Bartman. It's not other, play, <laughs> not other players on the team. Where were you when you saw the Cubs win it all? I, I was in Cleveland. I was there. Oh, nice. Okay, I, I was there. I was there. With tears streaming down my face. Oh and, my picture, God. and I brought my, my, my aunt Isabel, she's the one that got me in the Cubs. She lived 82 years and never saw it. So I brought a photograph of her to the game so she could witness with me. The next day I drove to the small town cemetery where she's buried, planted the W flag on her grave, popped a bottle of champagne and rode the Chicago Tribune sports section front to back. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> how about, how about more Chicago folklore here? The Lala protest. Who was the most afraid to whip their dick out? <laughs> well that happened in philadelphia but it wasn't okay that was in philly okay okay yeah it was when, when it was a, when Lollapalooza was a was a tour that went city to city to city okay, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 i i will say that it was not a unanimous vote that i'll <laughs> leave it at that it was not the unanimous vote. <laughs> luckily it was presumably a summertime it was summertime but it was not a unanimous vote <laughs> got you uh <laughs> So if shit if shit hits the fan, what's your expat country? Where are you headed? Oh, that's a, you know that's actually a really good question. Um, because we talk about that sometimes. Uh, so do I? I would say probably probably Ireland because I oh. think I could get a I could get a passport. I've got you know I've, I've named after Thomas Fitzgerald, who's my great grandfather on that side, and we've got some really good friends there. Great educational system. They've come around on gay marriage. Um, cool. Okay, I'm. I'll be in Costa Rica, so I'll. Uh, I can. Oh, use that's why you. Yeah, your weather's going to be a lot better. Yeah, favorite city to play <laughs> in in the U.S. and internationally. Mm, well, in the U.S., it's, it would have to be two. There's all. It's always going home to Chicago because playing in the venues that I went to see bands growing up. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and then then L.A. because the the relationship that all of my bands from Rage to Audio Slave, my Night Watchman stuff, the Prophets of Rage. Um, that we've had with this city it's a very it's it's like nothing it's like nothing i've ever been around i've seen a lot of bands play a lot of shows in a lot of places but 
you know, like a raid show or my solo shows here in LA are very, very special. Last one here, a musician you'd want to see run for office. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a real good one. I'm semi stumped by that, but I'm going to try to come up with something. Um, I mean, honestly runs for office. This is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to go with either, either Marilyn Manson (laughs) or, or Shooter Jennings. He's sensible. Hey, listen, Hey, do you know my, you know, my firstborn son's name is Waylon. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, Shooter and I are good friends. I I, I knew, I didn't know Waylon well, but I knew him a little bit during the man. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, this has been fun. You got to come on another time. We got to get you. Oh, I'd be back, happy to. You know? Thank you. It's, it's it's really nice to meet you, and you know, and congratulations both on your great career and and on your willingness. You know, in a medium where a lot of people don't stand up for having an opinion and to stick into it, that's really really great. Appreciate. Yeah, that. man. So yeah, we I think we <laughs> sh- we share a lot in common. We we both can't keep our mouths shut. So anytime you want to come on and uh, and, and, and shop it and up, where do you where where, where well. do you live? I live, live, in, I live in Charlottesville. Right, well, I live in Charlottesville, oh, yeah. the home of both sides, good people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when next time coming through on tour, if there are ever shows again, please let me know, and I'll be happy to sort you out. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, okay. man. Thank you so much. All right, take care, brother.